welcome to the Bible Feed podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of uh, the Bible Feed podcast. Um, if you've uh, joined us before, back in episode 10, we mentioned that one of our aims uh, on the Bible Feed is to bring out a underrepresented uh, perspective forwards, and that is a biblical Unitarian standpoint. Um, and this means that uh, we understand uh, God the Father as one God and Jesus as the Son of God, a man created by God at a point in time by uh, the power of God or by his spirit. And through his son Jesus, God manifested himself to the world. Now, this is different uh, from the doctrine that is core to the vast majority of Christian confessions of faith that are usually called the Trinity. Um, and the Trinity describes uh, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three persons in the same substance, co-eternal and co-equal. So, Today, we are talking uh, with Paul uh, about the biblical Unitarian standpoint. Uh, so, Paul, in doing so, uh, what are we aiming to achieve here? Okay, well, well Josh, the, the, the point of this is, is not to start an argument. So let, okay. let me start by saying that. Um, there's been enough um, argument uh, about this sort of theological point over, over the centuries. Uh, not all of it positive and edifying. Uh, but the, but what we're aiming to do here is is really to, to, to maybe start a dialogue, a, a bit of a conversation about these different perspectives um, that, that have taken divergent views on, on the nature of God and Jesus and the relationship between them uh, in particular, and, and get to a point where perhaps we better understand each other. And we probably, both those two perspectives, I've got some misconceptions about the other okay. and, um, and and the Unitarian viewpoint is is often seen as as uh, as not truly Christian um, so, so one one aim that, that I'd have is to is to demonstrate that that it, it can and should be seen as as, as a Christian viewpoint um, and, and partly that's because the 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 idea comes from the same it has its roots in the same scriptures, obviously, but also in the same discussions and debates and, and, and trying to answer the same questions. Right. Um, and, and has actually some a lot of common ground with um, the early apostolic fathers, uh, pre-Nicene, pre-fathers, obviously, like Clement of Rome and, and Polycarp. So and that's what we're, we're about. Okay, excellent. So uh, that sounds really good. Those are some pretty big aims, uh, um, because you said sure. this is something that's been you know debated for, for, for centuries um, uh, all, all around the world, um, and at times has has even led to, uh, to, to violence uh, when people disagree about this stuff. So uh, we've got about 30 minutes or so uh, to, uh, to wrap all that <laughs> yeah. up. So hopefully something a bit more, yeah. more manageable and a bit more bite-sized uh, here. Um, so, uh, so how are we going to, how are we going to do that? Yeah. So, so we're, um, we're not going to try and, uh, and achieve all of that in, in 30 minutes, but we, ha- we can, I think, just outline some of the, the major talking points that are involved in, in the debate mm-hmm. um, a, a, between those two perspectives, uh, pose some questions and, and, and really the Trinity is, is formulated. It was a it was an idea that was formulated as a result of grappling with some some difficult questions and, and some difficult concepts. Uh, so I hope we'll just be able to kind of bring to light what those difficult questions were, 
and are, um, and think about are they the right questions? Um, or are there other acceptable ways of dealing with and answering those questions? And, okay. and that, I hope, would just set some groundwork some, some, for some future discussions and episodes that we might do on, on this subject. Okay, excellent. So so, so talking of, uh, uh, of beginning and getting the ball rolling, how about we start uh, towards the beginning in the, uh, the Hebrew Bible, sure, or the, sure. the Old Testament, you know, the, the first part of, uh, uh, of most Christians' Bibles. Um, in that uh, uh, part of uh, uh, of the Bible, I'm I'm not aware that the Trinity is described um, uh, in in that because quite a lot of Jewish belief based on those exact writings is very much in the idea of one uh, God. Yeah. Um, is that yeah. roughly fair? Is that the is that the kind of picture that the Old Testament paints for us? Yeah, and it's a sensible place to, to start with the with the with the Hebrew Bible, the the Old Testament, um, as we have it. Um, and and you're right, the Trinity is not referred to there. It's not a word that appears in the Bible at all. But I I wouldn't say that that's that's a significant point. That doesn't make that's not a good argument for saying well the the, the Trinity is. Um, is is not in the Bible. Sure. That it's it's a you know Trinity is a label that's been put on a set of ideas um, which uh, which have, people have drawn from the Bible. Um, but you're right, the Hebrew Bible does make some very clear statements about the, the oneness of God. You know, we've we've got the classic statement um, that the Jews refer to as the Shema. You know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So that's that's a pretty clear statement. And and in the prophets in Isaiah 45, for example, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. So that, that sounds pretty unequivocal um, and, and, and pretty clear. But we've got to remember that most of those kind of statements in the Old Testament are being made in the context of denying the sort of idol worship and idolatry and worship of a pantheon of sort of nature gods that were was a feature of the nations around Israel. So it, it's not a statement that's making a statement about the Trinity or not the Trinity. Um, it, it's more made in, in that context. Right. Um, but it is pretty clear. Um, and, and, you know, the, the Jews, the Jewish faith is a monotheistic um, faith. But what, what I think it's interesting to, to highlight from the Old Testament is that the Hebrew Bible does also introduce some of the some of the challenges and the big questions that are involved in trying to understand who who God is, what God is. Um, and, and in particular, it, it presents many aspects of of God and, uh, and the human understanding of God and how God revealed himself to, to human beings. But in particular, there are two perspectives that come through, um, which which are slightly uh, contradictory or seem to, or might seem to be at odds with each other. Um, but the interesting thing is that Hebrew Bible doesn't try to reconcile those two perspectives. I'll, I'll, I'll explain what they are. They're often referred to as the sort of transcendent view of God um, rather than the imminent view of God. And I'll explain that, what I, what I mean by that. Um, and, and, and actually, it's relevant. We'll come back to it later. So if we, if we go to Genesis okay. um, and just the opening chapters of Genesis, you know, the, the account there of creation that I'm sure we're all familiar with. Um, and in Genesis chapter one, we have this, um, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes through the six day um, description of uh of creation and and God is is quite sort of impersonal in that description. It's very much God is outside everything that's being created and 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 he's he's not a part of creation. He is 
creating it. Um, and then we get into chapter two, and um, we have a quite different sort of account, which starts to talk about Adam and Eve and the garden. And God is referred to as Yahweh God. He has a name, right. a personal name. And and chapter two is much more about the relationship between uh, this Yahweh God and Adam and Eve. And there's um, you know the, the description of the Garden of Eden, and it talks about um, Yahweh uh, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It, it sounds very much very different from this creator that's outside the universe, yeah. transcending everything. In chapter two, he's right, okay. he's sort of he's there in in with Adam and Eve, with human beings, uh, and there's a uh, he's in his creation, if you like, interacting with his creation. Right. Okay. Um, so you've got a, a distance in in Genesis one, and then a, yeah, and that distance yeah. is removed. Yeah, and, and that, that comes through in, in other parts of the, the Hebrew Bible as well, that in, in Exodus, you know, Moses is told that no one can see God uh, and live. So you've got this distant um, uh, idea. Uh, and then in, in some of the Psalms, I mean, there's, there's a, a wonderful Psalm, Psalm 139, which is a, is a great example of this. Um, you have this sort of much closer, uh, imminent aspect of, of God's um, of God described in Psalm 139. Um, so it's verse seven. You know, the, the psalmist here is 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 really reflecting on on how close he he can feel to God. And he says, "Where shall I go from your Spirit, or whither shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me." So so the psalmist there is is really feeling feeling like god is with him wherever and in whatever circumstances right. um, you know in in his in his life so there are those those two aspects that the hebrew bible does talk about the transcendence and the you know distance and but closeness but doesn't try to reconcile those two okay so if if we have uh, the old testament the hebrew uh, uh, bible leaving that issue unresolved it's we've got those two perspectives the the distance and the closeness the the, the transcendence and the the imminence um and it's it it leaves us with both and so we have to to, to grapple with them coexisting um but it also i suppose it doesn't present that as a, as a problem that needs mm. answering there's not a, a you know a, a yeah. definitive um uh, answer on it in that sense um do we do we have that in the new testament does that does that get us closer to uh, to an answer are we moving forward if we uh, if we go there yeah and and and, and again, in in the New Testament, as as we as we move forward into the New Testament, we don't find the Trinity mentioned there again directly. Right. And Jesus and the apostles seem to very much carry on that Jewish uh, Hebrew Bible train of thought uh, with the same sort of, of of concepts. So so Paul, in writing to Timothy, talks about a God whom no man can see, or no man has seen or can see. Okay. Um, yeah, and and then Jesus on the. Um, uh, in, in his teaching, talks about a, a God who who is who counts the very hairs of your head, and you know the sparrow falls to the ground, and you know God knows about it. He's there in interacting with his his creation, and again. It, it doesn't appear to be, it's not presented as a contradiction or something that, that is an issue that needs resolving. It's just God has those those characteristics. Okay, so we can see, yeah, continuity then. Yes, the, um, the Exodus references with Moses and, mm. and Timothy. Yeah, and, I think so. And, and yes, that, that sounds a lot, the second half, like the, uh, like the psalm we read.
So let's get into the the actual kind of roots of the debate itself. Then, um, where does the, the the Trinity come from? Then, if we're seeing this uh, this sure. continuity between between the Old and the New Testament. Yeah, and and, and as I say, it's a it's a label that's been put on a, a sort of um, a, a collection of of concepts that that have, have developed it. And I think at this point, it's useful rather than me saying as a a, a Unitarian oh. viewpoint, where does the Trinity come from? To to go to some independent kind of viewpoints and sources on that. So, okay. and, and it's actually, it's fairly consistent in um, sort of mainstream um, Christian sources, Bible dictionaries, encyclopedias. So I've, I've just got two that I'll um, I'll refer to, and, uh, and they're both saying pretty much the same thing. But uh, so, so here goes. So the first is from the New Bible Dictionary, um, and you look up Trinity in that uh, in that dictionary, that Bible dictionary, and and it's, it introduces it uh, like this. So it, it first of all describes the Trinity as that uh, three persons in one substance, uh, and so on. Uh, and then it continues. Nowhere does the Bible explicitly teach this combination of assertions. It may nevertheless be claimed that the doctrine of the Trinity is a profoundly appropriate interpretation of the biblical witness to God in the light of the ministry, death and resurrection and exaltation of Jesus, the Christ event. So that's that's what the new the new Bible dictionary says. Okay. Um, and another one, the, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says something very similar. It says, though Trinity is a second century term found nowhere in the Bible and the scriptures present no finished Trinitarian statement, the New Testament does contain most of the building materials for the later doctrine. So, so that's the that's the sort of message that, that we get pretty consistently from those kind of sources, that the concept is not explicitly there in the Old Testament or New Testament, but the, the seeds, the building materials, the raw materials, if you like, are there. Uh, and, and the Trinity is seen as a, as a putting together of those raw materials in a certain way um, as, a, as an appropriate interpretation. Right. Okay. So the, the building blocks are there and they, they can be added up and, yeah. and put that yeah. way okay well that that seems if we sort of pause for a certain second um and think that that sounds like a, a key point of, of common ground perhaps um uh, in, in your introduction you talked about how there's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion a lot of uh, heated uh, discussion mm. um uh, to put it mildly through the through the years um about this question so um a question to to, to trinitarians who are listening um thinking back to the, the two um the two definitions that you just gave us there from mm. the, the um the bible inside and the Bible dictionary is that an accurate reflection of of how you see it um and if so would you consider it possible that these the, the raw materials that it talks about the building blocks that we that we have could be put together differently um uh, and 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 if so or if not um we uh, here at Bible feed would love to to hear from you um whether that's through the, the website biblefeed.org uh, or through the Facebook page um it would be uh, very interesting to hear from um uh, some some Trinitarians if that is a, a fair representation I suppose of yeah, yeah. of how they how they think about their uh, their belief and yeah. um the the, the biblical record um you know the, the building materials the the different uh, uh, blocks and information yeah. um, that is there okay so uh, that it, w- it would be great to hear from you on that let's 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 move forwards let's dig a little um uh, uh, into those the, the seeds of the idea uh, if you excuse the pun that the, the yeah. building blocks the raw materials um uh, what can we go out and find what 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 is out there for us to uh, to look at okay so so i think 
I think we'll have have time to look at, at three key key points, key, okay. key questions. Really, um, uh, we can only look at them very quickly. Uh, each of them very quickly. And we'll probably spend a little bit more time on the first one. It's slightly more complex, so so don't worry if it seems to take a long time to do the first one. It, 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 we'll get through the others quicker, I think. <laughs> um, and, and and what I'll try and do is offer a um, a Unitarian perspective on on the questions as well. So so the three questions are uh, number one: Did Jesus exist before his birth? That's number one. The the second one is: Did Jesus perform creation in, in some way? Um, and, and then the third question is, is Jesus called God and given God's attributes uh, in, in such a way that we should conclude that he is God? Uh, so, so those are the three, those are the three questions. Okay, great. Um, well, yeah, as you say, let's, let's look at the first one. Did Jesus uh, exist before his birth what can we what can we know about that um uh, and perhaps if you if you saw the title of this episode before you clicked on it you might have thought at the back of your mind oh they've got to talk about uh, john chapter one that's good that's probably where this yeah. is coming yeah. from. we've got to look at the, the opening of john's gospel um uh, very famous um uh, part of the new testament um that uh, that, that deals with with this sort of yeah. thing uh, uh, pretty clearly yeah and, and that's that's where we'll we'll start it's it's yeah. the sort of the um the key text uh, if you like um on this question of, of did jesus exist um, before his birth so so john 1 verse 1 kind of starts in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god uh, that classic opening uh, sort of magnificent opening in many ways to the to the gospel of john and um and then a few verses later uh, it's refers to the word being made flesh and it's talking about jesus coming in, in grace and truth uh, um, the word made flesh and it's fair to say that this is probably one of the most debated uh, little sections of, of scriptures like 18 verses or so um and and a lot of that debate is around uh, the word word uh, so in the beginning was the word uh, and in the greek that that's uh, that's logos, uh, and a lot of the, the debate is about what what is that what is that word um, all about, and it, it obviously has a basic meaning, which is word, words, and speech. You know, the the expression of of a thought, uh, the, the expression of, of reasoning. Um, so it has that basic meaning, um, but it also has a sort of a, a more technical meaning attached to it, as, as over the uh, from the ancient world. Uh, which has come from Greek philosophy. And we need to sort of do a little bit of historical context setting to sort of see how how that's relevant to, to just understanding that passage. Um, you, you know, the early Christianity, uh, you know, Christians are giving their allegiance to to God, there's one God, and to Jesus. Uh, and obviously, as part of doing that, they're rejecting the gods of uh, the Roman world, the, the pagan gods, uh, and, and they're sacrificing to those gods. They're, they're not doing that. They're, they're rejecting that and staying away from that. You know, sometimes that included sacrificing to the Caesar as, as a god. So you can see why they would stay away from that. Sure. And so they were open to this accusation of being atheists uh, because they didn't believe in their gods. Um, and as Christianity spread in the Greek and Roman world, the Hellenistic world, those that, you know, Christians wanting to defend Christianity, um, you know, sometimes called apologists, they, they start to appeal to Greek philosophy uh, as part of the defense of, of Christianity and what it stands for. Um, and, and that's that's because, and in particular, they refer to, um, start appealing to uh, Plato's um, ideas and to Platonism, because Plato proposed that there is one God. So, so, so basically, their argument is, look, we're not atheists. Actually, if you think about it, what we're doing is is something that's what Plato, one of your ancient philosophers, you know, uh, renowned philosophers, taught um, that there is one God. That's what that's what we think. So, uh, 
so what you know trying to relate Christianity to a an idea that would have been accepted acceptable in the in the Greek and Roman world if you like to 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 rebut that accusation accusation of, of atheism which you know is is a great strategy for avoiding um, persecution useful uh, and yeah. Um, but it also, but something else comes with it because it also means now they've got to engage with the same sort of questions that were being debated in Greek philosophy because you know naturally they're saying you know the, our ideas are actually quite similar to ancient Greek philosophers um, and you know the, so the challenge comes well how does how does Christianity answer some of those questions that Greek philosophers have been wrestling with and interestingly one of the questions one of the key questions in in Platonism. Uh, it comes about because of the the Platonic view of one God as a transcendent God um, took it to such an extreme that that one God was unable to interact with the material world. It was kind of so distant, perfect, so ideal, if you like, unable to interact with the material world and could only do so through uh, an, an intermediary through a mediating principle of some sort. And within Greek philosophy, the label attached to that mediating principle was logos. This word that, you know, John starts his gospel with in the beginning uh, was the logos. Um, and, and and because that principle, this logos in Greek philosophy was needed uh, for for a transcendent God to do anything, including creation, you can see how Christians might have sort of linked that with Jesus. Because in John, it's, it's, it's linked with Jesus and sort of put it into that Greek philosophical thought world, if you like, um, and start to think of Jesus as this mediating principle that had always been there, always existed, um, uh, and, and instrumental in, in creation of the material world. Right. Okay. So hopefully that's clear. Yeah. So, <laughs> we've covered it. There's a lot of uh, ground that we've covered in there. Um, there's the, the the historical part, and then the and then the philosophy um, of the day, and how uh, and how Christians interacted with that. In, in in all of that, where does the the Unitarian perspective fit it to? Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it and it really revolves around this this question of um, in Greek philosophy, how can a transcendent God interact with the material world? And 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 you know, just remember that that problem of a transcendent God being unable to interact with the material world that's that's a a question that's a problem that's that's a greek philosophy problem we've already looked at the jewish scriptural background if you like and uh, the old testament background and yes god is described as transcendent but also as imminent as we say and but it doesn't present that as a problem that that needs solving that doesn't present that it just those are two characteristics of of the one god that exist and, and coexist side by side he's able to do both he's able to be both so, so I, just, I guess I just throw out the the question, the challenge, if you like, which is, you know, what if what if Christ, early Christians, early Christianity, used John chapter one to answer a question that didn't actually need answering? 
Right. Um, that, and it was kind of using it to answer answer the wrong question. And, and instead, could it be that the word logos, you know, means what it basically means, which is something expressed, a, a plan or intention, um, a, a thought that is expressed at the beginning, but then is realized in uh, in the flesh, if you like, in Jesus at a, at a later point in time. And you know, this is this is typically how Jews Jewish thought. You know, somebody like um, Philo, um, a Jewish philosopher. Philo of, of Alexandria. I think it's Philo rather than Philo. We'll stick with Philo, so we know we're not talking about pastry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he he kind of uses things like Proverbs um, chapter eight and, and refers to um, which refers to the wisdom of God. It's in a piece of poetry that is describing a, a sort of wisdom and and. and um, or God's wisdom in particular. And so it says, you know, the Lord possessed me, wisdom, that is, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Um, you know, so that, so there you've got not the word, but the wisdom of God. And that kind of makes sense. Right at the beginning, God is there um, and his wisdom is there. Um, and uh, and the other, other example we might use from, the, you know, from a Jewish perspective is, um, is from Jeremiah chapter one. So Jeremiah is a, a prophet, and the, the statement that's made about Jeremiah is, you know, now the word of the Lord came to me before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So there you've got, you know, God, God has the idea um, a long time before. And then Jeremiah is, is born to the role that, that, that God has in mind. Right. So in, in that example, Jeremiah isn't present you know, before his birth um, in any yeah. sense other than in yeah. uh, God being yeah. uh, God being. Uh, Cognition, knowing yeah. that, uh, that he would be born. Yeah, and, and I think you could take that fairly simple concept of, you know, the idea, the intention, the plan, the purpose was always there with God in the beginning, uh, and then it was realised in in Jesus uh, at, a, at a point in time. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, all of the other passages, like when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am he, that is the same sort of idea, or... It, he prays to God and says, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world. Uh, it's the same kind of idea. So you can understand all of those type of passages as, yeah, God God had the idea right, right at the beginning, and then it was realized at a point in time with Jesus. Okay, that, that's excellent. Thank you very much. So let's let's move on now to the, the second interpretation point, the second question that you uh, you wanted us to, uh, to look at. Uh, and that question was, did Jesus perform creation? Um, where what kind of where does that question come from? I suppose in the first place. Sure. Yeah. So well, let's just um, uh, look at a, a few. Well, so I think it's a single verse in, in Colossians. So maybe maybe you could read it. Sure. Um, uh, for us, so it's Colossians chapter one and, and verse fifteen. Okay. So verse fifteen says, "He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation." Yeah. Okay. So so that's. You know that's that's seems seems pretty clear. It, We've been talking about Jesus sort of before that. Yeah. I mean, yes, coming yeah. into verse fifteen, he's the he. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's Jesus that's, that's being talked about there. So, so, so the question, you know, in in, in looking for a, a, another way of of looking that looking at that, the the question that we have to ask is, well, what what creation is being talked about here? Okay. Of what's what creation is Jesus the firstborn of? Um, and again, I'll throw out the question to think about what is it. Maybe it's too simplistic to just assume that the creation that's being talked about is the natural, you know, the creation of the natural world, the material world. Um, And maybe we just get a hint that that's, it's not quite as simple as that from the next verse. If you you want to just read the next verse. Sure. So verse 16 now, um, 
for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things yeah. have been created through him and for him. Yeah, so so it is it's talking about something which is more than just the natural, the natural world. You know, it, it's it's not picking out, you know, created trees and rivers and lions and elephants. Sure. It, it's it's not picking out those things, it's picking out you know, thrones and dominions, authorities. You know something, something more than that. Yeah, there's no something that. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it kind of hints that perhaps the creation that's been talked about here is something a, a bit different from the natural world, okay. and it's actually similar in in, in John. Um, so in John, in John one, I'll just read this. So it talks about Jesus talking about the true light coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So again, it sound, sounds like that sort of idea again. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So again, you just take the statement, the world was made through him on its own. You might think, well, that's the, the natural creation. But then read on, and it's and it's talking about the people, the people of Israel that didn't didn't receive him. So it's a different kind of uh, concept. So 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 what what creation? What other creation could it be? Well, if go back to Colossians, um, and I think if we look at verse, um, I think it's verse eighteen. Eighteen. Yep. Yeah. 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 That says. Uh, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Yeah. So, so he's he's firstborn of all of creation, and now he's the firstborn from the dead. Yeah. You know, perhaps that's the same the same thing. The, the firstborn, the first of a new creation, and we do have in the, in the New Testament the. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, and and that's what the New Testament is about: is the yeah. is the creation of you know the kingdom creation, if you like, um, uh, through through Jesus. Which, when you think about it, is is actually the original divine plan um, for and purpose for for creation. So maybe the, if we think a bit more broadly about what's the creation that's being referred to, it's actually this the kingdom creation, the new creation in in Christ Jesus, uh, which starts with Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. Right. Okay. Let's let's move on now to uh, to, to the third point, the third question uh, that uh, that we raised, and that is: Is Jesus called God? Is he described yeah. with um, attributes or qualities that you know can only be ascribed to God? Um, um, qualities that make God uh, divine. Um, could you give us a, a, an example? I guess of of of, uh, uh, of uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean there there are quite a few examples of this, um, and and it and it's it's a it's a big a major point of of, of discussion and debate in this. Um, we'll just look at, at one, okay. which is which is which I think is sort of illustrative of the family of of questions that that that, uh, that arise here. Sure. Um, so it's from Hebrews chapter one, um, which sort of opens with this statement about God having spoken uh, in in many at many times and in many different ways uh, through through prophets, almost you know a little bit here, a little bit there through that prophet, this prophet, mm-hmm. and then through Jesus, and, and the whole message comes through Jesus, if you like. Um, and and then moving on from that in Hebrews one uh, verses eight and nine. So uh, verse eight. Um, but to the Son, your throne, uh, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Yeah. So, so that seems that seems quite direct. Uh, I think because it's saying, you know, to the Son, 
um, and then and then saying your throne, oh God. But I also mm. noticed that um, this isn't this is a, a quotation, isn't it? This is taken from somewhere else in the uh, in the Old Testament yeah. and is being is quoted here in the uh, in the letter to the to the Hebrews. Um, and certainly, you know, when we at the beginning of this, when we're talking about the Old Testament, the Old Testament is 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 quite relatively clear. It's, it, it's one God. It's uh, it's the God of Israel, and uh, and and there's no other game in town. So, is, is there something else going on here? Yeah, and it, you're, you're right, absolutely right to to pick out that it's it's a quotation from from the Old Testament. Uh, yeah. Even though in, in the way it's being used there in Hebrew, it seems to say he says to the Son, "Your throne, O God," seems to be addressing the the Son as as God. But if we go, and it's always useful when it's when you're looking at something picked out as a quotation in the New Testament from the Old Testament to to go back and look at the um, the verses in the Old Testament, and in, in, it comes from I think it's Psalm forty five. Okay, yeah, yeah, it is for Psalm Psalm forty five, and and this is a it's it's I describe it as a coronation psalm. It, right. It's a psalm at the coronation of a of the king of of Israel, um, and it starts. So it's not written by the king; it's written by someone else about the king. Uh, so it starts. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe, um, and and talks about the king in his majesty. And then says in verse six, "Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness." Therefore. For God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions, and that's the bit that's that's been taken and, and quoted in in Hebrews. Right. Um, so when you think about it in that context, it's it's words addressed to a king um, originally, not originally not Jesus, but sure. you know, say let's say it's David or Solomon right. or one of one of the kings of Israel. Yeah. Um, so what is it saying about about that king? Um, and and it's it's really recognizing that this king, um, whether it's David or Solomon or whoever, is sitting on the throne of of God, if you like, over God's people, uh, Israel, and and the king is therefore sort of representing God to the people, um, and and the king in that role was part of his role was to manifest God's justice and and goodness to the people and and be be in that role for the people, and so I think that's that's the key concept that helps us understand those kind of verses in in the New Testament, and it's it's the key concept of manifestation that the one this whether it's the king or ultimately Jesus, the one manifesting God is described like God and is given the titles and attributes that, that belong to God. That doesn't, doesn't make them God. Um, but you can see how that is particularly appropriate of, of Jesus sure. as the, the son of God, the anointed king, the Messiah. Um, but you can also apply that to, to, to quite a number of those sort of passages in the in the New Testament. When, when Jesus says, I and my father are one. Well, you know, the ancient king of Israel could kind of say that. He's there representing God and, and his goodness and his justice. That, that was the idea. He didn't, didn't always fulfill that and probably didn't ever fulfill that. Um, certainly not in the way that Jesus did. Right. Okay. Excellent. So that's that's the the, the three points that uh, that we wanted to look yeah. at. Thank you so much for, uh, for for taking us through this this brief introduction um, to to what we we we've, we've, we're sort of calling the the raw building materials from which um, the Trinity was formulated, and that the Unitarian perspective is wrestling with the same materials but introducing some different ways of of putting them together. And we've looked at you know examples from the Old Testament and the New Testament um, in in doing so here yeah. in, uh, in this episode. Um, so. It's it's it, it's over to you. We want to throw this question out to uh, to our listeners. If you are a, a Trinitarian, have we picked up uh, on the the key points correctly? Have we described your position um, fairly and uh, uh, 
and in our attempts to uh, uh, to present something new, what 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 new questions uh, does that raise? Um, uh, we'd love you to get in touch with uh, with these perspectives uh, that are important to you, um, or, or queries or questions about what we've uh, presented here. Um, and you can do that at our, our website biblefeed.org or uh, search for for Bible Feed on Facebook and uh, and send us a message there. Um, Paul, thank you uh, so much for being uh, uh, for with us here. Pleasure uh, as always. Yeah, it's been great. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back soon. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like to discuss. So get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.